Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Okay, we're not talking about pizza, but we are talking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And no, not the one in Italy, but the copycat building right here in Niles, Illinois. After listener Maxine Gear got rerouted due to construction on the Kennedy Expressway, she drove down Tui Avenue and saw big box store after big box store. Then she saw the nine-foot Leaning Tower for the first time and wanted to know why it was there. So our architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin, looked into the history of one of Niles' most iconic buildings. As part of WBEZ's What's That Building series, we sat down with Dennis, and he began by telling us why Niles and what the inspiration was for the Leaning Tower replica. Here's Dennis. It's a very familiar building to people who have been out in that area. But to Maxine, it came as a surprise. And I think it does to everybody. Um, It was built, it was essentially an employee amenity. A guy named Robert Ilg had a company uh, building fans, and he built a picnic uh, park for his employees where that tower is. Didn't like the look of the water tower, the standard water tower with the metal legs, and said, why don't I make it look like the Leaning Tower of Pizza? <laughs> yeah, well, tell us more about Ilg and his inspiration. So you, you said he built a, a park for uh, workers, really to be able to have some, some R&R, but describe what that was like at its heyday. You know, he's a, he's sort of a fascinating guy. The park was about 22 acres. Uh, it's several miles from his factory in the city, but there were fountains, there were picnic areas, there were a lot of trees. It was a wooded area at the time. You mentioned all the big box stores. This is the 1930s when none of that was there. And this was a countryside setting. He had a factory in the city uh, uh, making fans, making ventilation fans for kitchens and factories. And what I think is really interesting is the park is sort of an integral part of his employee benefits program. He also had, uh, his workers had a lot of say in time off and safety rules. He had loan, this is the, uh, from 1919 on, he has loan programs for the uh, employees who've fallen on hard times. He was very much about sort of employee well-being. His product is also about well-being. He's advertising that your ventilated factory, your fan ventilated factory is going to be a better place to work. And then he builds this park, which is also about well-being. Let's go there and have a picnic and listen to opera and look at a tower that copies something in Italy. Incredible. I mean, so like the original tower, there are bells at the top, Dennis. But I want you to set the record straight for us because... I did do some some online research, and, and some sources say there are five, 
while others mention seven bells. So tell us, how many are there? Uh, well, there are a couple that are down on the ground now. That may be what the difference is. When there was a, a restoration done um, in the 2010s, some of the historical bells couldn't be restored. Uh, the cracks were too big or, or something else. So like when you walk into the base, the bottom room of the tower, one of the bells is there. Out on the plaza, there's another bell. Um, so the numbers do differ. I Some see. of the bells up at the top are hundreds of years old. Wow. One is dated 1623, um, and another is dated 1747. Uh, several of the others were remade or were new in this restoration uh, of the bells that was done, again, about a decade ago. Wow, and I love that you can sit in the park at the, at the base of the tower and just listen to the bells ring. Have you done that? Well, I did something better. I got a walk all the, I got a tour all the way up into the belfry. I actually went up and and touched those bells. It wasn't when they were ringing. Wow. But we actually got a chance to the park district of uh, I'm sorry, the village of Niles operates the building now and they let me in and walked me all the way up around that spiral exterior and then a spiral staircase and messed with the bells. And then when we came down, actually there were people in the park uh, listening to the bells. Listening to the bells. So what's the view like from the top? Unfortunately, I was there on a rainy day, so really all I could uh. see was the target about a block away. But um, on, but I saw on people's phones photos of the downtown skyline, of the downtown Chicago skyline nice. from all the way out there in Niles. Um, and then what you also see is, sort of, is the park down below, which has a fountain. But I think the cool part is getting up to the top on a day when it isn't raining and seeing all the way to downtown Chicago. Right, right. So so this, this building in Niles, it's got nine stories uh, and starting on the ground floor, it actually does lean. I mean, how is that possible, Dennis? Well, so the interesting thing is that this one leans intentionally. Most people who've read about the Leaning Tower of Pisa know, first of all, it took almost two centuries to complete in part because they stopped a couple of times trying to figure out how do we get this thing to stop leaning? It's settling and leaning. Uh, it was completed in um, the 1300s, 1374, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was built intentionally to lean. So it was engineered to support itself at, it's about five degrees off straight. It, it leans about five degrees from a 90 degree angle, just like the original. Um, and it, it, apparently will stay that way for good because that's how it was built out of concrete. <laughs> wow. Near the end of his life, uh, when he retired to California, what did Robert Ilg want to do with the land in Niles? Well, so by this point, um, there's really not a call for an employee park. Most employees, it's the 50s. Most employees are like at home watching TV or out at the movies. So he's not really operating it as a park. And Niles is developing. Tui Avenue, which this tower is on, uh, is one of the big sort of exits from the city out into suburbs and country. So uh, there was a proposal to build a trailer park and a motel on the property. Now, what I don't know is would that have entailed taking down the leaning tower? But the idea was um, to build, there are a couple of other, mot or were at the time, a couple of other motels on Tui, build a new motel and a trailer park on his 20 plus acres. And the village um, said no. So the land was owned by the YMCA, right? 
Well, after that, yes, after it's not subdivided into a trailer park or turned into a trailer park, his family, uh, it's kind of a donation and sale to the YMCA. The YMCA got it, uh, got the ground rights with the, um, the agreement that they would manage the tower until 2059. They got it in 1959, okay. about 25 years after it was completed. And the idea was they would, the YMCA would manage the tower till 2059. But then by the 1990s, the Y hasn't really been doing enough maintenance. And there comes to be an agreement between the YMCA, which by that point has built a building or more just uh, just behind the tower, just north of it off Tui Road, Tui Avenue. Um, so the village comes in and uh, works out an agreement with the Y where it manages the tower, maintains the tower. And it bought it for 10 then, bucks, right? And then later, yeah, after quite a while, they ended up, the village ended up buying it from the YMCA for $10. Wow. Well, now the land is up for sale, but I wonder if the tower is going to be protected. Well, so here's the thing. The land that's up for sale is next door. The land that's up for sale is the rest of the 22 acres, the part where the YMCA operated until just a couple of years ago. They, they first closed uh, the, the recreation center and then a year later closed the apartments that they had on the property. That's, that's behind the tower. If you're on Tui, you're looking at the tower and beyond it to these buildings. Okay. That's all for sale. The village has this property. Um, and so, and the village has tried to make it sort of a centerpiece for redevelopment. They have had uh, several years ago, they improved something, they approved plans for a big sort of entertainment district. Niles doesn't really have a downtown, and this would have become sort of a walkable downtown area mm. with that iconic tower as the centerpiece. 20 seconds to go, Dennis. Can you tease the next story you'll bring us? Um, yeah, and well, it's a Christmas story, and it's about a Christmas story. Ah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Dennis Rodkins, a real estate reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Thank you so much for this history lesson from Niles. Thanks, Sasha. This episode was produced by Linnea Dominic. It was edited by Dan Tucker and Brenda Ruiz. If you're not already signed up for Reset's newsletter, why not? It's written just for you by Reset Digital producer Claire Hyman and delivered straight to your inbox. It's a great way to stay informed about the show and the city and a great way to communicate directly with the Reset team. Sign up today at wbez.org slash Reset News. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.